Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Frederico, we're back. We have the biggest wheel in the world, and we've slapped some questions on it. What's happening today? Well, we are going to ask some questions from the big wheel, uh, and they are made up of questions we get asked from the audience um, all the time, or at events we go to, or all sorts of areas. They are there are some that are very hard, and there are some that are not so hard. But we'll take you through some and see how we go. What do you reckon? Ed? I reckon, and we call it Q and A roulette. All right, Frederico, spin that giant wheel. Get the little guinea pigs spinning it up, running in their hamster wheels. All right, first question. Uh, my goal is to make money on YouTube. What should I do? <laughs> Stop mm. and back away slowly. No, <laughs> no, oh, no. Well, that that's cool. Good on you. Um, it's not easy. I think that's fair to say. It's not just I'll, I'll create content and off I go. Um, and I'm going to be a YouTube millionaire. Look, if you 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 know, we always still say, look, start from a place that you, of of passion. So yeah, you want to make money, but um, these platforms are about shared passions, both for the creator and the audience. That doesn't mean you don't have to come in with a commercial interest and an interest to try and make a career and make money out of it. But it does help if you are going to create content that you're interested in, in a topic that you're interested in, because then because you really want to connect to an audience that's going to be interested in that content they'll see mm. see through the bs so that's the that's the kind of step back and, and and start thinking about that yeah once once you've done that then then you can sort of start thinking strategically about how you can go about creating consistent content that's going to be valued by that audience and um have it you know be a bit structured on, on that approach and if you you know you as a career looking to to make or, or just make bank, you're going to have to start thinking about okay having that. You know what's the nexus between what you want to create and what the audience wants, and finding that sweet spot. That's right, and look, I think that is actually the the best point to start is like you know what do you think an audience will want? What do you think you'd like to make rather than thinking how can I make money out of it. Um, is a really good way. If you get onto the platform to make money, you're always going to be disappointed. Um, plus, your motivation is wrong. You know, you should be on the platform to make great content, to really enjoy the content you make, and you know, tap ideally into some sort of passion that you have and that an audience can share. That's the best starting point. And if you do that, you'll find the opportunities for revenue come out of that. Uh, I know that sound, might sound a bit, you know, hokey or oh la la, but it actually is the foundational element. I, I haven't met any top creators that started by saying, hey, I really want to make money. And the ones or the people that we hear, oh, I really want to get onto YouTube to make money, they just, they do it for the wrong reasons, right? So that's it. You want to create engagement from the audience. You want them to get close to you. You want them to enjoy the content and then revenue opportunities will come out of that. So that is absolutely right. And the best foundational place to start is like, what can I do for the audience? You know, what will I enjoy making? Yeah, and just one thing to consider, like for creators that have decided to jump on, you know, and, and make videos, regardless of your reasons but if you do want to make a career career out of it and 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 you know be sustainable in that way there is probably going to be a time where you're going to have to you know make decisions about what it is that you want to make but also what is commercially viable as well and that's a bit of a, a mindset shift that you see 
uh, a lot of the time from the difference between a career creator, like someone who's who's building a career, and and someone's more just you know passion hobbyist, is that they they can set that mindset to change. Cool. All right. Spin it up. Spin a winner. Ooh, righto. Hmm, this is a tricky one, Frederico. About time you got a tricky one, I reckon. How do I get more confidence? Number 52. How do I get more confidence? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm actually, we just actually had an event uh, where this question was asked. And uh, it is one that I'll say requires um, process um, and requires iteration. And what I mean by that is that most people off the bat won't be great in front of a camera. Um, they won't be great in making videos um, because it's not something they are used to. So confidence actually comes from repetition, I think, in the video space. Um, and it comes from doing it enough that you actually find a groove. Um, I mentioned at this particular event that, you know, it took me in some of the videos. I did like, you know, 10 or, or 20 takes to before I even started to feel more natural and confident and just talking directly to the camera. Um, but once I did and I found my groove, it was, you know, really quite straightforward to, to then build on that, right? So don't worry if you feel odd in front of the camera, if you feel like you're not that confident, it just takes practice. Do it a couple of times, do it a couple of times. Then if you want to take a break, come back to it and do it a couple more um, and you'll find that confidence starts to build. Um, a creator we had on here, uh, Jasmine TXO, uh, TikToker, said the same thing. Um, when she was first doing stuff in front of the camera, it took her a long time to get confident um, in terms of what she was doing and now she's, you know, a, a huge TikToker with a big following um so yeah just take your time um it's a process um keep doing it and you will get more confident mm, while you're talking fred i did a bit of googling and the, almost got sidetracked by the the second suggestion of how do i get more confident in the bedroom but i, I, I over, <laughs> overlooked that one thanks google you know tips for building self-confidence so it came up first still it's yeah. like oh, yeah there you go there's heaps tony robbins how to be confident in life he has 11 powerful ways not 10 11 so a quick google on that i reckon no, i just i think fred's right. got a better answer probably specifically for for who we're talking to here on this podcast rather than tony but you know tony's a big fan of the show too so yes. shout out big to fan. tony, tony. All right. tony. Spinning it up all right all right um some of my videos do really well others don't do the low ones affect my channel that's really a question for you, Fred. Um, <laughs> it probably is. Yeah, it is. You can have it. I'll handball it straight <laughs> over to you. Hot potato, hot potato. Um, yeah, so I guess there's, it's, there is, explain a bit of a background, there's generally a fear that if I make a bad video, it's um, really going to penalize me and my channel, um, and it's all doom and gloom. Um. I wouldn't worry massively about it. And let me just explain some of the, the general reasoning behind it. One is that, you know, systems like YouTube understand that creators aren't always going to make great videos, right? Um, we're all human. You'll make a couple of great videos. You'll make a couple of bad ones. And you'll hopefully get better as you go up. So, yeah, um, you're going to have good videos. You're going to have videos. And do the bad ones affect my channel? Well, basically, like I, I've mentioned previously, like every video has a individual score for every viewer who watches it right so if it's not a great one and the person doesn't watch much of that but they've stayed on your channel and watch other bunch of great videos you've done great 
excellent. You know, you're probably still going to get, they're going to get served up your content. Um, you know, it would make no sense that if you did one bad video and had a terrible retention rate, but people enjoyed your other videos that they wouldn't get served any more of your videos, right? Just think about the channels that you like watching. I'm sure there are some videos you've watched uh, on those channels that you didn't like that much. You didn't watch much of them, but you watch tons of others and you still get served that content up. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it. What I'd be wary of is making a series of, you know, low performing videos again and again and again that don't do particularly well and clearly signals to the systems that the audience aren't particularly engaged in your content because it stands to logic that if you make perpetually bad videos or low retention videos that you know it only has so much um, it's going to serve people so why would it just keep serving low performing videos uh, to other people so yeah don't worry too much about making some low performers it's completely natural just try and get better every time yeah and also just to Add to that, and I know I handballed it over to you, Frederico, but I'm jumping back in the game. Um, like, also, don't ignore those low-performing videos. Yes, sometimes you'll have a bad video. You can't, we can't always be perfect every day of the week with every video, but you know, sometimes they're, they're sending you a signal, like maybe those videos aren't popular with an audience or there's something not quite right with them. So, so learn from them um, as well. Like, don't completely dismiss them and go, oh, YouTube hates me today. Uh, or, or whatever the gods weren't YouTube gods weren't signing weren't, weren't shining on me. So you know, also don't just completely dismiss them, but or don't get hung up on them and don't get yourself down. But but see if you can learn from them. Um, and like Fred said, you know, just keep focusing on making you know good content. And you'll be rewarded. Exactly. Mm. All right, this one's back at me because I, I threw it away last time. <laughs> okay. What is a good average view duration? I'll just start to you again, Fred. We're getting. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, actually can we we can record my my other favorite one it depends it depends because um, yeah. it really does depend how long your video mm. is and yeah oh, it does i mean look at the end of the day the average view duration um and the average percentage watch are both important elements that that the system looks at because you know if someone's staying and watching a lot of your video that's a that's a good thing um that said if you have like you know a hour-long video and people watch 18 minutes of that you know that's effectively i guess a fairly low percentage watch but you know 18 minutes of time compared to a four minute video where they watch three minutes which is a high percentage watch but only three minutes of watch time so that's why it looks at both elements so when you say what's a good average video duration it's generally you know you're going to try and keep them watching as long as possible so there's no one fixed number for that it's a combination of percentage watched and the average um, time watched <clears throat> my thoughts on this are try and make sure that every minute you create counts try and find a um, a format or time that viewers potentially watch for so if you find hey they're watching a lot of seven minute videos but they're not watching a lot of like 10 or 12 minute videos then start with the seven minute videos make them as good as possible try and get the retention as high as possible um, and then from there, if you're finding they are watching a lot of it and the um, the average percentage and the average view duration is high, then you can start to creep that up a little bit more. But you're looking for that sweet spot um, that you can work in. Yeah, what he said. Mm. <laughs> or it depends. <laughs> Am I, um, did I get this one? I think I did. Yes, you did. All right. All right. Is there a point when your subs or views go from a trickle to a flood? Mm, that is a good question. Um, there's no specific point that that happens. It can happen early on. It can happen um, later on. And with some creators, it can happen, and then it becomes a trickle again. So, you know, it, it, it varies. One thing I'll say about it, I feel subscribers 
aren't as important as they used to be, at least the, not, not the subscribers and people, but subscribers as in the number isn't as important as it used to be. Um, the system has gone past that and it can understand more important elements around satisfaction and enjoyment and it doesn't need someone to actually physically be a subscriber for that. Now, the reason behind that is that, you know, think about your time on YouTube, you probably subscribe to hundreds and hundreds of channels. The system doesn't serve you only content from those subscriptions and um, it doesn't sort of necessarily prioritize them because it knows you might spend a lot of time watching other things where you may not have subscribed. So don't worry so much about this, the, the, that point at which they go from, you know, zero to a flood. Think more about it in terms of like, at that point, have you created content that people really start enjoying? So if you're creating consistent content, people are really enjoying, you're going to find the system's going to serve you out more, your channel's going to grow more. And yes, the subscribers will follow that. Or the subscriber numbers will follow that, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> the doozy, clearly. I don't, I don't like it's, where this is coming. I'm scared. It's, um, it's not do you want just me to answer now? Like, it depends, and we'll get no, walk no, away. no, no, no. It's, it's not. A, it's not a doozy. It's actually pretty straightforward. It's a, well, in a, in, a, in a general sense, it says, "What is an MCN?" Ah, oh, an MCN is a very, very bad thing that you should run away from as fast as you possibly can. Um, um, no, no, that's not true. That's just casting a, you know. That's what people say. That's what people say. Look, an MCN is, is a thing. It's called a multi-channel network. Um, they used to be much more prevalent than they are now. They still do exist. Um, it's another, another good one for a whole podcast episode, really. And we, we mm. have looked at that and we've talked about it. So maybe that's a good prompt for us to do that. But basically, an MCN is, a, is a, an organization that, I don't want to go too, too deep into it, but they pull a lot of creators together. And the, the, the premise is that by having a lot of creators, they can get that higher ad, ad rates on, on YouTube and then they also uh, purportedly provide other services as well to creators like brand deals or collaboration opportunities or upskilling. The the, why we <laughs> somewhat facetiously but also genuinely say run, run as fast as you can is a lot of them didn't deliver on that promise and, and still don't. Um, and they have lock-in contracts and um, they look up, just look after only a few creators rather than all of the hundreds, potentially thousands of creators they sign. Um, so, yeah, they, they can be a really good thing. They can be a horrible thing. Um, I know I'm not being too specific, but I think... Way back when we started this podcast, one of the very first podcast episodes we did was with Jim Lauderback, who is the head honcho of, of VidCon, um, and he was also one of the OG founders of an MCN. Um, so, you know, probably go back and listen to that because Jim does a really good job of explaining mm. what they did and why they were bad for creators, but they're not all bad. It just depends on who you are and which MCN you're with. Yeah, I mean, the, the MCN, there were a lot of them uh, in a time where YouTube sort of needed that help in, you know, giving assistance to all those creators. They basically were like these big groups that basically um, could offer extra services to all these creators, like Ant said, um, and they took a cut of the revenue. The problem, like Ant identified, was that they just couldn't service them well enough and the lock-in contracts um, made it very tricky. And, you know, YouTubers sometimes didn't have a lot of acumen around these things, so they got locked in and they became very frustrated very fast. And... 
in recent years, many, many, many of them have collapsed. Um, there are only a couple left. And look, in the couple left, there are some decent ones there. They do offer some, you know, good services. You've just got to be very, very careful with who they are and which ones you pick. Um, and if you find a good one that, you know, you can relate to well and they're offering you some great stuff, okay, no worries. Um, but, yeah, generally you would want to be very careful because a lot of the things that they used to offer, a lot of creators can, can do themselves now or get help from uh, other sources now. So... They are a bit of a relic of YouTube, but the ones that are around now have um, retooled themselves and basically reinvented themselves um, and try and offer better services. Um, But like I said, you know, we know creators who like their MCNs, typically they're the big ones who get a lot of attention. Some of the smaller ones may find it a little bit harder. So yeah, go into it with eyes wide open. Keep in mind that they are, um, the the traditional structure is a little bit older, um, but yes, if it works for you, great. And if you think it's not going to, then there's plenty of opportunities and plenty of options to do it yourself. Bang on. Do we have time for one more question? Always. Always. We don't always, but yes, we do today. All right, oh. Rodrigo. <laughs> Last one. Is an Insta or YouTube audience better? <laughs> uh, so, okay, well... I'll put it this way. I think in terms of video, a YouTube audience is uh, much better. YouTube is still the gold standard um, of, you know, that short form. You can really call it short form anymore, but that that social video space because um, there are a couple of things that do really well. It does really well. One is the, you know, the engagement levels, um, especially for longer videos, are much better on YouTube. It has a really good way of serving a back catalog, which people keeps people engaged and wanting to watch more, which is really fantastic. Um, and so I find that as a video platform, it is generally much better. Whereas Insta is a little bit transactional. People, people tend to look at one thing, flick past it, look at one thing, flick past it. And it's more, I, I call it throwaway content. It's just what it should be called as more sort of like short, high impact content that people then forget and move on to the next thing. I think a creator, we ages ago, Tom, Tom Thumb said this well at an event. It was like YouTube is like a sit down gourmet dinner. Whereas, you know, like Insta and the, and the video there feels more like takeaway. And th- I think that's a, a, a pretty good analogy to how it works. Now, in terms of, you know, photo sharing and things like that, obviously Insta's great and you can curate your whole photo life very well there. And it does that very well. YouTube doesn't, offer really really offer that so you can't really compare them there but on the video side of things absolutely i think youtube is great but if you want to make short fast videos um that are probably a little bit more um short-lived um and a little bit more curated um that that tie into your photo journey then i think yeah insta does that well but in terms of goal standards youtube is definitely there yeah and and i guess you know the YouTube is an organic reach platform. Like that's the best way to, and that's how content is served and experienced organically. Insta, I think it's around 6% organic reach. So um, like that just means if you, you know, 6% of your audience will be sort of reached organically and found the rest you probably have to pay for, Uh, um, which makes it a really great ad platform if you're trying to target people. But there's another um, benefit to YouTube. Indeed. Mm. All right, I reckon that's it. That's time. I dodged a few bullets there. <laughs> you did dodge a couple. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and uh, we will see you again very soon. See you next week. See you again. See ya. Create a generation. Warm the mic.